Good morning, everybody. Glad to see you all here this morning. And thank you for those tuning in at your homes. And we invite you to worship with us. So if you would, please stand. We're going to start off this service with I'll Fly Away. said amen. amen praise the lord i hope you're ready to fly away because that's what's going to happen i don't know when that's going to happen it could happen before this day is over with jesus christ is coming again and i don't have to tell you our world is in a mess our nation's in a mess and we need to get a hold of god today and i want to invite you and thank you those who are tuning in not only here new rocky creek but also by way of uh, Facebook live streaming. I trust we're taping at the moment. Anyway, but let's, beloved, seek God today. We've come to worship and celebrate our living Lord. He's alive. And if there was a time we needed God, I believe it's right now. Oh, how we need the Lord to intervene and bring peace to troubled hearts and stability to a chaotic country of ours. And so I'm glad that you came today, and we just need to do what the Lord's calling us to do, and that is love Him, serve Him, and keep our eyes on Him. So let's bow now as we gather together. Thank you, Garrett Nancy, for being here. And let's just try somehow, some way to lay aside all the distractions. Many of you may not be prepared to worship the Lord. And so I'm asking you right now just to lay aside every distraction, please, and let's just tune our hearts into what God's got for us today. Oh, yes, what a beautiful day. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ascend into the hill of the Lord. You said, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Only he that has clean hands and a pure heart. And I pray for clean hands now and pure heart now. Even as the psalmist of old said, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my strength, my redeemer. We've come, our Father, in the mighty name of Jesus to worship and praise you because you are God and there's none else beside you. And we thank you that you're alive forevermore. You're still able to stretch forth your hand of power to bring healing to a broken and, uh, oh God, our Father, a troubled nation and a troubled time. And we thank you that... Uh, you bring us your peace because, Jesus, you are our peace. And with your presence and with your power, we can overcome. So I pray right now, Father, that your Holy Spirit would invade this place and that we would uh, ask you to bind every demonic and evil spirit from our minds and our hearts and from hearing and receiving. 
your word and from fellowshipping with you today. We ask you now in the name of Jesus, blessings on those who are grieving and those, our Lord, who are needing a fresh touch today, who are down, depressed, and discouraged. And Lord, I know all of us are facing, uh, Father, spiritual warfare these days. And we trust you, Father God, to break through. We need you. We've got to have you, Father. We've got to have your glory. We've got to have your, your intervention or less we see your word unfolding before our very eyes. So be glorified, we pray now, and change lives. May the gospel go forth. Thank you for the open door of the great commission whereby we're not only able to reach out right here in this place at this time, but God, you've given us means to reach out with the good news to a bad news world. And I pray many will be stirred and many will be, uh, Father, uh, renewed and refreshed and revived in our hearts because we've been with you and it's sure good to be with you. We give you glory. You've been good to us and we bless you now for the blood of Jesus, the victory of the cross. Thank you again what you're up to in our lives. Have your will, have your way and be glorified this day we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Wave, turn around, wave at your neighbor. Would you just say hello, neighbor? Wave at your neighbor, all right? Wave, wave at your neighbor. There's many listening uh, by way of uh, Facebook as well. God bless you, and good to see you, everybody, neighbor. Now, look, we're going to right now sing. This is our offertory song, and so you just, as the Lord leads you, please give, and the Lord said it's more blessed to give than receive. We thank God for your giving. We thank God how the Lord has been so good, so faithful to supply the needs. But we want to ask you to continue to see God's vision. And as we preach the word and share the word and minister, reaching out, not only on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, all week long. So as we're singing now, you feel liberty to go and just drop your offering there in the offering plate. And I want to say I love you and I thank God for your coming. All right, Brother Garrett, lead us, please. I'm going to ask you to stand with me one more time. And if you want to turn in your hymn book, it's page 141, The Old Rugged Cross. We'll sing verses 1 and 4. Father, praising you, God. 
turning our eyes to the hill, Father, where our help comes from, Father. We thank you for being there for us, God. Father, right now we pray, God, that a peace and 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 a compassion will fall on this country, Father. Because when we get to heaven, it's not going to be black, white. It's going to be people from every nation and every tongue, Father, singing hallelujah to you. Yes. So, Father, now in this country, Father, we pray for unity. We pray for revival for your spirit to sweep this nation, God, because that's the only thing that's going to help. And Father, let it start here in Jasper County, Georgia, at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, that we, the people of this church, that we can go out and influence our community, God. That those who are tuned into this live stream, Father, that they... They sense your love and your presence, Father, and they go out, Father, and they begin to change their communities, Father. And that the gospel reaches further than we as a church could ever have dreamed of it reaching. Father, we love you. We praise you, God. Bless this service, God. Use it for your glory and your honor. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you again, Nancy, for that. Beloved, what would cause a 53-year-old man to put a noose around his neck and hang himself? What would cause that? Last week, a man that was here at church told me his brother did that very thing not far from where we're assembled today. I'll tell you what would cause that. The lying, dirty devil. What would cause a young 21-year-old young lady to go out in the woods and take a razor and cut her wrist until she bleed to death? But thankfully, she didn't. Just happened about a year ago. She told me about it. What would cause that? I'll tell you what would cause that. Demonic activity. We're living in a time when it seems like, and I'm sure you can feel the intensity of two opposing forces. This has happened from day one, from eternity past, and will happen into eternity future. But it's obvious that there are these opposing forces that are going to collide. There's going to be a gigantic explosion to take place somewhere down the road. I hope and trust that you'll stay awake and I'll stay awake these days because this is a time like never before to come together, to come against the attacks of the enemy. And How many of you today would be honest and say, yes, the enemy's been hitting my home and the enemy's been hitting my heart and the enemy's been hitting my health. I'm telling you, there seems to be an unleashing of barrage of uh, principalities and powers upon this nation of ours and upon our individual lives like never before. But I'm glad to tell you, praise the Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ, I've read the last page, he is the winning warrior. And today we're looking at the subject racing with lightning speed toward Armageddon. And here's where we're going. We're going to see these two opposing forces as we continue our study in the book, the last book of the Bible, namely the book of Revelation. You recall last week we looked at chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, the week before chapter 2 and 3, and the week before that chapter 13, and then the week before that chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. We're continuing as the Lord is leading me to follow this trend as we see 
things unfolding before our very eyes. I'll tell you what it means to me. It means this, the rapture could happen at any moment. And the church said, amen. So take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 16, please. Revelation chapter 16. Here we'll continue the study. Now, in the contextual setting, you're well aware of the back, uh, fact that uh, Revelation 16 is right in the middle of the tribulation. We're not there yet, but these are certainly precursors and prototypes of what is yet to come. Again, all is telling me the things we're facing in our world today and even in our nation today is the fact that Jesus Christ will come again and he'll come in the rapture and after he comes for the church, then this terrible time that the world has never seen, but we're seeing glimpses of it now, will come into fruition. I hope you're ready and I hope you'll stay awake. You've probably heard the story of the man that fell asleep in the woods. He was with his dog and he fell asleep and the old fable is he woke up and didn't realize 20 years had passed by. He went home. His home was dilapidated, falling in. His wife had passed away. His name, Rip Van Winkle. I'm afraid to say that it seemed like today all you have to do is fall asleep 20 years ago and you'd never dream we would be experiencing things as we are today. But Jesus Christ reminded us in not only the Olivet Discourse, but in speaking to John concerning the wars and rumors of wars and pestilences, infectious diseases and earthquakes in diverse places and false Christ rising in his name and other things that will lead up to not the rapture but his second coming. So as we turn to the book of Revelation, note with me please in chapter 16 is our text today. Revelation chapter 16, we'll read just a few verses and trust God to speak to our heart. But here's where we're going, beloved. I believe God's calling some mamas that are mad and discouraged. Some mamas, are there any mamas out there saying, you know what, I didn't think things were gonna turn out like this. I didn't plan this. And you've been down a little bit, let's be honest. Let's don't just play church. Things aren't happening according to the way you'd like them to happen. And then there's some daddies who are depressed and down in the dumps. You feel like you are stuck and you can't get out. I'm telling you today, listen, there's some opposing forces and we need to come against them in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus and by the word of God. And not only that, but there's teenagers who are troubled. Today, I read just the other day that teenagers are highest rate of suicides. Today, why? I'll tell you why. Because of these lying spirits and because of these deceptive and demonic activity that's real. And we as the people of God, blood-bought and blood-washed, need to be awake, need to be alert, and need to be armed with the armor of God. Oh, yeah, seniors are searching, singles are searching for life and, and uh, eternal life and for happiness in this life. And therefore, I'm telling you today that this is very applicable to us, even though this passage is futuristic. So please turn to Revelation 16. If you'd like to stand, I want to read just a few verses, verses 12 through verses 16 of Revelation chapter 16. And here is the unfolding of the seven seals uh, the seven trumpets, and now finally the seven vials or bowls with rapidity and intensity. God is pouring out his uh, almighty judgment on those who do not need God and say no to God. If you're listening today and you're not a Christian, I'd run to the cross if I was you. I wouldn't put it off anymore. I wouldn't think that there's time tomorrow because uh, Jesus Christ could come back or we could uh, pass away in just a heartbeat. Revelation 16, I begin reading in verse number 12. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the river thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings, notice the way of the kings of the east, might be prepared. Where's the Euphrates River? It's over in Iraq, Mesopotamia. You recall the Tigris River, the Euphrates River. These are real rivers and real places. And this particular one is at a specific location today. And notice the river, the great river. John, who's given this revelation, describes it as the great river. And the waters are dried up. Why? That the kings of the east might be prepared. 
There's various opinions about the kings of the east. But I'll say this. These are politicians. How many know a king is a politician? How many know that God holds the king's heart in his hand as the rivers of water and he turns it whithersoever way he will? I'm telling you, the political leads to the prophetical. And God is going to use leaders in our world with this global agenda and things going on today. I never would have dreamed that the Supreme Court would have voted five to four, uh, uh, siding on Governor Newsom's uh, side. Yes, I know I'm on live stream, but I'm going to say it anyway. And uh, I can agree to disagree respectfully. Five to four. What? To shut the churches down in California. Is there anybody that would thought we'd ever live in the time in America where the churches are shut down by the state? And I'm telling you, all this is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. This is where we're going, folks, and we need to be aware of it. Can I get an amen? amen. And therefore, I'm not against social distancing. We're practicing it here, and I'm not against using wisdom. The day the, church, the state steps in and tells the church what to do, brother, it's a late day. Can I get a witness? I said it's a late day. I said it's a late day, and you know what I'm talking about. But that's what the Bible says where we're heading with the Antichrist and the false prophet. Anyway, besides all of that, I'm glad to tell you that our president, vice president, voted yes, that they ought to be open. Can I get an amen? And I'm telling you, this is not far-fetched. We're living in days, racing, lightning speed toward Armageddon. Verse number 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's the dragon? Is Satan. And out of the mouth of the beast. Who's the beast? The Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. Who is the false prophet? It's the religious ruler. Here is a description of the unholy trinity. Unlike God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God co-equal in the trinity. Here is the unholy trinity, Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet. And I don't have to tell you that the powers of darkness are working on not only the lost world but on God's people too. Let me just stop right there and then we'll move on and read. How many of you have been having thoughts that you knew were unclean in your mind lately? Don't raise your hand. How many have had all of a sudden you got down to pray and it's like the enemy just hit you out of nowhere? Is there anybody else here that's experiencing spiritual warfare? I said, is there anybody else here in the house of God that is experiencing major attacks of the enemy? Anybody? Is there anybody? All right, is there anybody? I want to know, beloved. Is there anybody? Yes, and if you're honest, we are. Well, the question is, what are we going to do about it? Keep reading verse number 13. And he said, I saw unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of what? Devils, de de demon spirits, working miracles. Be careful, beloved. Which go forth unto kings of the earth. Here, right now, we get a description I'm telling you, the higher you are, the more attacks the enemy is going to make. He said, they go forth under the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty. Polemo is the word battle. It means campaign. We'll be looking at it in a moment to see exactly where we're heading and the steps that evidently the word of God seemed to indicate. We're heading with light and speed to this battle. Therefore, we need to know what we need to do. Notice verse 15. Behold, I come, Urkamai, as a thief. Jesus is saying, I'm coming. In the midst of all the enemy's attacks, I'm coming. Hallelujah. He says, I'll be there, and I'll be there for you now. Oh, yes, he will. Blessed is he that watcheth. The word blessed is the word makarius. It means happy. Are you happy today? I'm telling you, if you don't resist the enemy, he'll play havoc on you. Can I get an amen? Thank you, those that are here. If you don't, you can't give in to the enemy. We're in a battle, beloved. Daddy's mamas. We're in a battle for the souls and the minds of not only our children and grandchildren. It's time to take a stand. It's time to be stirred up. It's time to come and engage the enemy. Keep reading. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walketh naked, and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. This is the word of the Lord. God bless it, Father. Thank you, O oh Lord, that you have called us a time as this. 
Lord, we need heaven's help. Oh, God, we need a mighty infusion of divine life from above. We need you, Lord, to clothe us with your armor. We need you, Father God, to strengthen our hands and, and bring stability to our troubled minds. With all this going on around us, Lord Jesus, you said you would give us peace in the midst of the storm. We ask now for your glorious presence and power to be unleashed. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Father, and by the blood of the Lamb, that Satan and his principalities and powers and forces would be restrained from us and our homes and this nation and our communities. Thank you, God, for the blood. And thank you, God, for what you're doing. Hallelujah. We look forward to seeing you and knowing you and knowing the power of your resurrection. So God, stir our hearts again, we pray, and save the lost. Change us, Lord. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. These two opposing forces are obviously mentioned in the text today. One of them is the deadly demons that are deceiving and destroying. The other one is the divine deliverer who comes to deliver. First of all, let's consider with us one for a moment this opposing forces that are coming against our nation. Three questions I want to ask. One, who are these? Secondly, what are these? And uh, what's going to happen? And thirdly, where are uh, these going? Who are these described as these deadly demons that are deceiving and destroying? If you can't see it, beloved, you're blind. If you are not aware, as I mentioned last week, so many turning to things in our world that are getting them in deeper trouble. And there might be somebody you today that you feel stuck. You feel that you can't get out. I've got good news. Thank God Jesus Christ is able to pull you out. But you've got to reach out the hand of faith. And you've got to lift up your eyes and stop pretending like everything's okay. And stop living a lie and stop listening to the enemy's deception. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live like that anymore. You can be free. Hallelujah. For whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. Can somebody say amen? Revelation chapter 12, uh, 16 and look at verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. I'm repeating and the water there always was dried up that the way of the kings of the east. Note that might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. There are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day the, of God Almighty. Skip down to verse 16. He gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Now keep your Bibles open because we're going to look at several passages of Scripture tying in this thing together. How is this going to unfold? What's the scenario? How does this apply to me? Is this something far-fetched? Is this something that I can't relate to? What is God saying to us today? So keep your Bibles open and notice, number one, who? Who is this talking about? Please hold your place in Revelation chapter 16 and turn back to the book of Daniel chapter 11. Find your Bibles and look back, please, with me for a moment in Daniel 11. I want to draw your attention to several verses, not only in the book of Daniel, but also in the book of Ezekiel and also in the book of Zechariah. First, notice Daniel chapter 11. Go back there. Who are these kings? I know there's a various opinions of who these kings are. I'm personally of the opinion that these are the kings of the East, the Oriental kings. Other scholars um, that uh, note that, I certainly concur. John Walford being one, others being others, uh, others saying the same. And uh, this appears to be, according to many, China and uh, North Korea, Japan, these kings of these, well, wh who are they and where are they going and what, what's this going to end and how is this going to uh, come to fruition? Daniel 11. If you're there, notice in Daniel 11. Before we read, I want to simply pack, paint the historical background of the book of Daniel. Daniel, of course, is in Babylon. He's taken in 599, 598, 597 B.C. after Nebuchadnezzar had invaded the southern kingdom of Judah in 605 B.C. The temples burned in 586 B.C. Note this now. Hear me. Y'all don't miss this. Daniel gives us five personalities in the book of Daniel chapter 11. I really want us to focus on the last one. 
But before we come to the last one, I need to mention to you four of the personalities he mentions in Daniel 11. Number one is Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus was the king, uh, otherwise known as Xerxes. He was the king of Persia. How long ago and how long in advance did Daniel prophesy this? 57 years, approximately. Daniel pinpointed a man named Ahasuerus would come to the king into the kingdom and be a king. Secondly, the second personality is none other than Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was a, a historical figure. We've talked much about him. He's a second personality mentioned in Daniel chapter 11. How much distance did Daniel have from pinpointing he would come to rise up at king? I'm just telling you the context of Daniel 11. It would be approximately, remember now, six Daniel lived to be up to probably 85 years old. He was 15 when he was taken in Babylon. And therefore, when he went uh, over to uh, Babylon and, uh, and eventually the Lord let the people of God come back to their homeland after 70 years. So we could take the figure 550 B.C., 530 B.C., whatever. Whatever figure you want to take in 500. And note, uh, Alexander the Great came to being in the 300s. We're talking about 200 years later. Daniel pinpointed a man would come named Alexander. Thirdly, there's a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes described, Antiochus the Great first in the book of Daniel chapter 11. And uh, he also would come into power probably 250 years or approximately there after Daniel wrote his book. Some say Daniel wrote it after these kings. I say on the contrary, the Dead Sea Scrolls refute, debunk that particular Heresy. At any rate, there's a fourth king that rises up in the book of Daniel. What's his name? Antiochus Epiphanes. And so we're coming to Daniel 11, the latter part of the chapter, but I must tell you what's in the middle of the chapter before we get to the latter chapter. There's another king. His name is Antiochus Epiphanes. Was he real? Yes. When did he come about? 168 to 165 B.C. We've talked much about him this uh, this king who defiled the temple and desecrated the temple, a prototype, a, uh, notice, a precursor of what would happen in the end time when the Antichrist would defile the temple as well. And this is quite a few years after Daniel had pinpointed. I said all that to lead us to the fifth personality. This is futuristic. This has not happened. And I want to ask you, if the Lord was precise with four other kings, don't you think this fifth king is going to arise? I said, don't you think that God's word is going to be fulfilled? You better believe it will. Chapter 11, verse 40. Notice chapter 11, verse 40. And I want to bring some part of this on the screen, but I want to read uh, some of this. We're talking about these kings of the east and how this thing unfolds and how this is going to come together and where we headed and how the demonic activity is uh, at work today and what God says about it. Chapter 11, verse 40. At the time. At the time, and at the time of the end, this tells us this will be futuristic. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push against him. Who's the king of the south? Many relate that to being Egypt. Some say Africa, Afghanistan, or perhaps others. The king of the south push at him and the king of the north. Most agree that this is probably Syria. I don't have to tell you what's going on right now, do I? And shall come against him... Who is him? The Antichrist. He's described in verse 36 following. I skipped over verse 36 for the sake of time. But that is the reference to the Antichrist starting at verse 36, this fifth personality. I jump right into verse 40 because this is what's going to unfold when the kings of the east merge in this valley. Oh, yes. Notice he said at the time of the end shall the king of the south push against him and uh, the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He, the Antichrist, verse 41, he, the Antichrist, shall enter into the glorious land. Where's the glorious land? Israel. Now let me just stop right there. Hold your finger right there where it says glorious land. Hold your finger right there. I just need to tell you this, that the Antichrist evidently, and I personally believe, will at least set up his uh, headquarters in the infrastructure of Rome, the revived Roman Empire. Exactly where, I don't know, but it appears according to Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, according to Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, according to Revelation chapter 17 and verse 12, there are ten kings. These are uh, the ten uh, 
uh, horns that are mentioned, this little horn being the Antichrist. Now, keep in mind, that's where the Antichrist is. However, he's going to make his move to move over to this glorious land, Israel. And that, obviously, when he sits in the temple, will be halfway through the tribulation. Keep reading. I'm just trying to uh, paint the picture of what uh, is going on according to the Scripture and time frame chronologically. Notice verse number 41 again. He shall enter into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. And he shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. And he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt and of Libyans. And the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. Please underline note verse 44. But tidings, I've got it right up here. But tidings out of the east. Do you see that? We just read about these kings of the east. Time together. But tidings out of the east. Out of the east. And uh, out of the north shall trouble him. Shall trouble who? Shall trouble the Antichrist. And therefore he shall go forth with great fury. Notice that word. Great fury. Look up here. Great fury to destroy what's going on. Why is he upset? Why is he mad? Why is he going to cause a riot? Hello. I'll tell you why. Look at here in verse number uh, 44 again. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to do what? To destroy and to utterly to make away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. What's God saying? God's saying this. I need to tie in some other scriptures. Hold that thought. Turn over, please, to the book of Zechariah. Turn to the book of Zechariah, chapter 14. Turn to the book of Zechariah, chapter 14. Notice uh, Zechariah 14. I'll just simply allude to Ezekiel 38 because time will not permit me to go into all of this. But in the book of Zechariah chapter 14, and now I'm, please hang with me now. We've talked about Daniel 11, the Antichrist. He sees some, some things are happening. You'll see it more clear as we see the big picture. Where he's at, where he's going, what's going on from a world, global perspective and here in America too. One of the questions I'm asked is, where is America in Bible prophecy? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever wondered that? Where is America? Is America mentioned in the Bible? And I do not see the name America in the Bible at all. However, I've got my personal opinion where America will be. And I'm telling you, it's going to end up where all the other nations are going to be. And I'll tell you where it's at in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and uh, the Lord will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Let me fast forward. Let me fast forward. I've got this on the screen right here. Let me fast forward. I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to do what? To battle. I will gather how many nations? How many? A few? All nations. That means if America is left at this time, America will be included to gather to Jerusalem. Now, I know right now we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I know right now God's got his restraining grace upon this nation and upon our families, and I thank God for it. Yes, I do. But one day uh, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then those of us that are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And that day, when that day, as Paul refers to in First. Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, 1 Corinthians 15, at the twinkling of an eye, Jesus said, in my Father's house and many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. That is a picture of that great getting up morning, the rapture. And so when that takes place, you just think it's bad now. You just think it's chaos now. You just think the devil's on the loose now. We hadn't seen anything yet. This Antichrist will have the answers for the world. A globalism mindset. Peace and safety. Paul said that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Can you see right now? I said, can you see right now how the stage is being set for some leader of our world to have answers? I heard a report last night. Many didn't, don't know this, and I didn't really know this either. President Putin of Russia is the richest man in the world. He'll make George Soros look like a, a kindergartner. I didn't know that. 
as far as wealth is concerned. All I'm just saying is pointing out some things that are happening right now. At any rate, this is what I'm saying. He said he'll gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken. And then, notice Zechariah 14 and verse 3, then the Lord will do what? He'll go forth and do what? Fight against the nations. As he, when he fought in the day of battle, all right, we talked about Daniel 11. This Antichrist is going to uh, confirm a covenant with many people, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And that is uh, a reference to this pseudo-peace plan as peace and safety. And therefore, you've got to keep that in mind right now. Israel is the hot spot and uh, is hated by many. We'll talk about that in a moment. But tying these together, Zechariah chapter 14, and back to the book of Daniel, and the name of the book of Ezekiel, write this reference down. In the book of Ezekiel, there's another event that's going to take place. And the book of Ezekiel describes this event. All of these are factors and events that take place that we must put together as a puzzle in Bible prophecy when it comes to what we're talking about how God is going to unfold his divine plan that he's in control. Yes, from eternity past to eternity future. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 30, 39, the word of the Lord came to, uh, to the Son of Man, saying, set your face against Gog and Magog. Here's the problem. Here's the deal. All of this is going to tie in together. Here, simply simplifying, in Ezekiel 38, I can show you on a map probably better than I can describe it. In Ezekiel 38 and 39, you probably can't see that from where you're at, but I'll point out, here's the kings of the east. Here is uh, Armageddon. Here is uh, the uh, place called Israel, the kings of the south. You may be able to see this. You may not. I'm sorry for those sitting in the back. You may not be able to see this really clear, but here is Jerusalem. Here's Israel. Here's what's going to happen according to Ezekiel 38. The word of the Lord came to the Son of Man, set your face against Gog, Magog. Gog is the ruler, Magog is the place called Russia. I believe that to be Russia. Why? Because the sons of Noah relocated north of the Black Sea and therefore they are listed as the uh, descendants of Magog. And then in addition to Russia, here's what's going to happen. And now listen now, don't let me lose you with all this information because we're coming back to Daniel 11. We're coming back to Zechariah 14. We're coming right now to Ezekiel 38, 39. And all we're going to tie it in to Revelation chapter 16. Without these pieces of the puzzle, you cannot uh, and I cannot understand clearly where we're going and what's going to happen. But again, the... Uh, descendants, this coalition of nations will invade Israel from the north. Who are they? I mentioned Russia already. Uh, Ezekiel also pinpoints a futuristic event. Who are the other uh, world players in this coalition of nations that will attack Israel? And the description of Meshach, Tubal, Tagarma. If you'll note, they're sons of Noah in the book of Genesis chapter 10 and chapter 11. Hey, these are and, and Gomer in Turkey, Erdogan and his, he's the leader of uh, Turkey right now. We were in Turkey, Istanbul, just a few years ago. And he has a goal slash a vision to make uh, the Islam a world caliphate. And, and at any rate, I'm just simply saying that this is what's going on. And not only that, but uh, guess who else has mentioned Persia or otherwise known as Iran. That's Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 5. Again, these nations along with others will come together. Why? To invade Israel from the north. When will this take place? Remember the three questions? Who are these? And what are they going to do? And where is this going to take place? I'm glad you asked that because here's where we're going with this discussion and with this uh, particular issue. All right? Here is the deal. The kings of the east. Notice the kings of the east. They are making their way. And I, if I'm not mistaken, this would be east. Am I correct? This way is east. Am I correct? Yes, I think I am. East would be that way. Therefore, the kings of the east will come across the Euphrates River. The Euphrates River will dry up. Where are they going? Where are they going to end up? Here's where they're going. I read to you Zechariah chapter 14. God will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And these kings of the east will merge there. The first campaign, remember we looked at Revelation 16 a moment ago and we saw the word battle, polemo, it means campaign. So here's what's going to happen. And I need to tell you the event that leads up to what's going to happen. Jesus Christ, notice, 
I'll, I'll come back to this picture in a moment. Jesus Christ comes, and uh, I believe it's uh, on one of these slides here. Jesus Christ comes, and he will put his feet on the Mount of Olives. This would follow verse 3. This would be verse 4. Write down Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. Jesus Christ will come and he will put. His feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in two. It's going to split wide open. I'll tell you what, you might find it very interesting as I do. There's an earthquake fault line running right through uh, the middle of the Mount of Olives. But the event, Christ comes back again, not in the rapture when we meet him in the air, but when he comes to the earth, his feet upon the Mount of Olives. Now, if you want to reference that, that's Revelation 19. John said, I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. He that sat on him is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he did judge and make war. His eyes are the flame of fire. On his head are many crowns. He hath a vesture that no man knew save he himself. And I saw the armies in heaven. That would be us, the church. Raptured, the judgment seat of Christ, marriage of the Lamb, seven years on tribulation here on earth. And then we come back with him in the uh, second coming. John said, I saw uh, the, those clothed in white linen, fine and clean. And then he says, and out of his mouth, speaking of Christ, this event, when he puts his feet on the Mount of Olives. You're wondering where I'm standing here, maybe. He, he, he puts his feet on the mountain, and out of his mouth, listen, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, the Lord says, out of his mouth will come a sharp sword that he should smite the nations. All he's got to do is speak the word. He didn't have to have nuclear armor. He didn't have to have Apache helicopter. He didn't have to have a Tom and a Hawk missile. Uh-uh. He, he just going to speak the word. Out of his mouth go the sharp sword that he should smite the nations. He that treads upon the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Oh, yes, and he hath on his uh, thigh name written King of kings and Lord of lords. All right, here's what I'm saying. The kings of the east, who are those? We've already identified them. China, I don't have to tell you what's going on with China. Where this coronavirus, COVID-19 started there on purpose, it seems to appear. Why? China's always wanted to be a world superpower. China's always, and, and don't make any mistake about it, they'll do anything they can to see that happen. Now, God be the judge, I don't know, but I'm telling you what the Bible says. These kings of the east will be deceived by demons. And I'd say they were demon-possessed now if they're not a believer in Christ. So we're living in a time right now, beloved, where kings, these uh, are being influenced by demonic activity. The kings of the east shall march over there where they're going to end up. The Antichrist and his armies are going to end up, remember I said, over in Daniel chapter 11. They're going to end up in Jerusalem. But wait a minute. Before that happens, I need to tie in Ezekiel 38 and 39 because I personally believe Ezekiel 38 and 39 starts at the beginning of the tribulation. We're fixing to talk about Armageddon. If you look up here, you'll notice I'm standing here in Israel. In the background is the Valley of Megiddo, otherwise known as the place where the Battle of Armageddon will take place. 64 miles long, 14 miles wide, a perfect battlefield. You can see the mountains, how they outline this particular area where many battles have been fought already. But wait a minute. Let me go back to the beginning of the tribulation. Now, are you following with me? Now you see why it's important when you come to church to have a focus, to be prayed up, because all this stuff is coming fast, and I know it's hard to catch it all. But God, the Holy Spirit, was the great teacher. Amen. So, at the beginning of the tribulation, this Ezekiel 38-39 battle appears to happen. And uh, that is these coalition of nations coming invading Israel. What's going to happen? We didn't read, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. In Ezekiel 38-39, you know what's going to happen? God Almighty is going to intervene. He's going to cause infighting. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Rioting. Hello. He's going to cause all kinds of pestilences. Hello. During that time, and an earthquake. And he's going to cause hailstones to fall from the sky. Why? To destroy, break the back of five-sixths of that army. Five-sixths of that army. I derived that from reading the book of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now, keep in mind, this is, the, this is a, somewhat probably uh, after the clock begins to tick of the tribulation. 
So how does the Antichrist feel? He's not sitting in the temple at this time. He will be midway of the tribulation. Why did I put it at the beginning of the tribulation? It takes seven years to, to uh, gather the spoil. That seems to indicate it won't happen. But let me just stop right there and tell you why is it not going to happen before the tribulation. Some say, I believe it's going to happen before the tribulation. Watch this. Listen now. If it happens before the tribulation, you know what that means? It means the rapture couldn't happen until that happens. I believe in the imminency. Jesus could come any moment. That's called the imminency doctrine. If some other event has to take place before the rapture, then the imminency doctrine is thrown out the window. You follow me? All right, good. Because this seems to put not only that reason, but secondly, because it'll be a time of unwalled cities. And that's Ezekiel chapter 38. Have you ever known Israel to be an unwalled city? Never, never, never. They've always been attacked. They've always had enemies. You can trace it all the way back from 1948 to 1967, even to this day. And therefore, it's going to happen during the tribulation, it appears. So, God intervenes. This is not Armageddon. This leads up to Armageddon. Now watch this. The Antichrist gets word. He, remember now, we read in Daniel chapter 11, he gets word. All this is going on. How many know the devil, uh, the Antichrist, has always been a counterfeiter? He's always been a counterfeiter. He's always wanted to rob God of glory. And so the Antichrist, with great fury, rushes to the scene. Remember what I told you there a minute ago. You remember what I told you a minute ago. He goes with great fury. He, our tidings out of the east, here's those kings merging. And then uh, at the same time, simultaneously, he goes forth. He hears that so this uh, skirmish is going on. Great he goes to restore and to take away many. Well, you can see where then he uh, goes and uh, claims that he's protected Israel. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, but wait a minute, Pastor. Why would these countries attack Israel? And why would the Antichrist do this? Because the Antichrist has made a peace plan with Israel. And therefore, they're going to attack him. I don't know if you picked that up in Daniel chapter 11, but if you're a Bible student of Bible prophecy, you've noted that, that, uh, that these countries will come against the Antichrist. So your question is, why would they come against the Antichrist? The answer is because he's protecting Israel. Oh, yeah, 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 just connect the dots. So, so all of a sudden, the Bible comes alive. All of a sudden, we see events taking place. The enemy, the devil comes to rob, try to rob God of glory, but he comes to his end. Now, meanwhile... Let's go back to Zechariah chapter 14. His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives shall cleave in two from the east to the west. There should be a great valley. And he says what's going to take place, then these kings of the east will merge in the place of the Mount of Olives. Zechariah chapter 14, we just read that. I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. And, and you see, this is right in the valley of the Kidron Valley. Once the Mount of Olives splits in two, wait a minute, Jesus left the Mount of Olives. Do you remember that? In Acts chapter 1, verse 9, the two angels said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing upward? This same Jesus will come in like manner. And, and so when this takes place, the earth begins to separate. This will give a place. You can read Zechariah chapter 14, verse 5. Many will flee to the mountains. Some reference that to be the mountains of Armageddon to this battlefield. Others identified this as the Jews going to a place of safety. I personally believe that God is going to preserve the Jews based on Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, based on Matthew chapter 24, verse 16, based on this reference, Zechariah 14 and verse 5. And that's a whole other message for another time. But two-thirds of the Jews will die according to Zechariah chapter 13. I said two-thirds. You know how many Jews are presently living? Someone has calculated between 12 and 13 million Jews right now are living. You know how many will die? Approximately 8 million. Two-thirds will die. However, one-third will live and many will turn to their Messiah and be saved. According to Zechariah 3, 9, they'll be saved in a day. According to Zechariah 12, 10, they'll look upon whom they pierced and mourn. And Paul said, all of Israel will be saved. Those who trust in Jesus and his shed blood. If you're listening today, you can trust in him right now and I, will, I trust you will. So what's going to happen? These deadly demons are destroying and they're leading up to once the Mount of Olives cleaves in two, they make their way to the valley where the battle of all battles will take place right here when Christ comes again. I've already described that. 
and how the Lord will come back. Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus said, No man knows that hour, not even the angels, but the Father in heaven. I'm telling you, I've got to hasten because my time is slipping up on me. So the deadly demons are destroying. I tell you what, I met with a man here not long ago, and I believe there's many today that uh, the enemy is working on. He's deceiving. He's misleading. I'll tell you what it ends up, strongholds. We, for some reason, become passive over strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a fortress. A stronghold is a castle. A stronghold is giving the enemy an inch. And then once we give him any ground in our mind, our will, or motion, he begins to manipulate other areas of our life. I want to tell you today, beloved, I'm very burdened about the state of our nation and the state of our churches and the state of Christians. We have got to come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. And if we don't do it, daddies and mamas, who is going to do it? I'm telling you, your family's weighing in the balance right now, and it's not time uh, to play games with God. It's time to really get serious about this matter because uh, it'll be too late once you wake up and you realize like Rip Van Winkle, Things have happened. God, why wasn't I awake? Just slipped under the radar. I wasn't prepared for this. That leads me to this last and final uh, point. By the way, the man I met with and prayed with, uh, we recognize that we all give ground to the enemy sometimes in things we think and things we see. And so I'm telling you, the Lord can break those strongholds. Yes, Luke chapter 11, verse 21, the Bible teaches there, Jesus said, when the strong man armed keepeth his palaces, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him, he taketh his armor, wherein he trusted, abideth his spoil. He is not with me, is against me. He that gathereth not scattereth. And with the unclean spirits gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places seeking rest, and he findeth none. And he said, I will return from whence I have came. And he findeth swept and garnished, and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell. This is real, beloved. This is real. And there's hierarchy and there's structures in our nation. You better believe it. That the devil and all of his principalities are working. Their time is short. Therefore, we need to intercede and pray as watchmen on the walls for our families and for our marriages and for our nation. God, please lift up a standard against the enemy. Hey, look, Revelation chapter 16 and verse 15. Go back to Revelation chapter 16. Now, you're going to have to get a copy of the tape or you're going to have to listen to the or look at YouTube, and I appreciate so much those that are putting this on. I hope you're taking advantage of that. God is blessing. It's a door of opportunity to teach the Word, to preach the Word. Equip the saints that you might be able to tell your, your family, hey, I'm not in the dark on this stuff. I know what the Bible teaches. That's our goal. Not just information without application, but application. Revelation 16, notice verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments lest he walk naked and see his shame. We talk now already about the deadly demons destroying their neighbors of yours that probably have bought into the lies of the enemy, and there I'd go yet by the grace of God. But the Lord said, what should we do? Here, I want to tell you this, and I'm done. Watching and walking. Notice these two references, watching and walking. I'll just be brief. Number one, watching. Notice one, engage the enemy. What can you do right now? Here's what you can do. Engage the enemy. He's not your friend. He's not your buddy. He's not uh, uh, somebody that's going to see your best interests. He's a liar. He's a thief. And Peter said, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Peter understood. Jesus said, Simon, Simon had to desire to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Now, if the devil can, Satan can sift Peter, how many believe he can sift you too and me too? Can y'all hear me? I said he can sift you too. Don't you think that he's not going after you? Don't you think that you don't have a bullseye right on your shoulders? Because if you're a Christian, he's not happy. And he's going to, if he can't deceive you to go to a place called the lake of fire, then you know what he's going to do? He's going to try to wreck your testimony. I tell you, we need to engage the enemy. When you engage the enemy, Peter said, be sober, be watchful. Your adversary of the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, whom withstand, whom withstand, whom withstand steadfast in the faith. Knowing the same sufferings are accomplished in the brethren of the world. All of us are facing this. Listen, church family, y'all listen now. We need to come together and pray for each other. 
God had me up at 3 o'clock this morning. I couldn't sleep most of the night. Walking in the streets, praying for each one of you about 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying that to brag or boast, but I'm saying this. We're in a battle. I'm saying this. It's time to engage the enemy. Is there anybody here that'll say, Pastor, you can count on me. I'm going to engage the enemy. And you better believe, even right here in New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, the enemy would love to throw mud on you and me. I'm telling you, we need to take a stand. Engage, secondly, resist him. Resist him. I said resist him. Write this verse down, James chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. James says, submit to God. Submit to God. Come under God's authority. Submit to God. Then resist the devil. Don't you try to resist him first. Rather, come under God's authority. Question, are you under God's authority today? Are you obeying everything the Lord has told you to do? Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Number one, watching, engage, and resist. Number two, walking. How many know that the Lord wants to walk with us during these days? Praise the Lord. He hadn't left us. He's going to be with us. We don't have to live in fear. I said the enemy loves to strike fear in us. Insecurity, fear, doubt, unbelief. This is the work of the enemy. We walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And you better believe when the Lord has a message like this on my heart, you better believe I'm under attack. And that's why I need your prayers. It's much easier to preach on cotton candy subjects. Can I get a witness? But we got to be true to the Word of God. And if we're not, uh, if we're not aware of what's going on, you might get upset with me, but I'm willing to take the risk because I love you this much to tell you, to shake you, to say I love you, to say get out of your complacency, get out of your indifference, get out of your lukewarmness. I know we're living in a terrible time. I understand all this uh, infectious disease, but it's not time to sit down and do nothing. It's time to engage the enemy. It's time. Oh, yes, it's time to resist him in the name of Jesus. Is anybody going to do that today? You've got your family weighing in the balance today. Walking with God. Here's what I mean. Walking with God. That's what he said. Here's what I mean. Walking in order to be blessed by God. How many of God has blessed you? Yes, the Lord has blessed us. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed, and watch this, blessed for those around us. Lord, we need your blessings for those around us. We need your protection for those around us. We need your anointing for those around us. We need your resurrection power for those around us. Family, friends. Not only for those around us, but for opportunities ahead of us. Lord, we need your blessings for opportunities ahead of us. Right? Oh, yes. God, we need your blessings for the enemy that's after us. And then we need your blessings, Lord, because thank God you're always with us. I wonder right now as I finish and I'm done, how many need prayer right now? You need prayer right now? We're racing at light and speed to this event. I wonder if you'd stand to your feet right now, all of the house of God, and many will you right where you're at. If you feel lifting up your hands, you lift them up. Paul said, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without doubt, without wrath. I would never ask you to do something that wasn't in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. If you will lift up your hands, do it. If you don't, that's fine. But I'm going to encourage every Christian, every daddy, every mama, every young person, daddy, mamas, you need to be praying over your children right now. Praying for God to build a hedge around them. And, and by the way, all of us need to say, Lord, search us and get us right. Anything that's between me and you. Wrong attitudes, wrong motives, distractions, idols, anything. Oh, God, reveal in our hearts. Will you join us in prayer now? Will you join praying for this nation right now? Right now. Lift up your family, lift up your children, lift up your grandchildren, lift up uh, the neighbors, lift up this nation, lift up your church family. Father, oh God, Lord, you told us to be in the world, but not to be of the world. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Lord, we're no match. I'm no match for the onslaughts, the attacks, as we've been reading today. 
how the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but you came to give us life and give it more abundantly. Help us to be true to you. Help us, Lord, to engage the enemy in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the Word of God. We ask you, God, to free and deliver and liberate people that are bound down with uh, mind-altering drugs and, Father, those that are bound down with depression and discouragement and things we can't control. Oh, God, we pray, heaven's help, release your power. Oh, Father God, you said thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. We ask you, Father God, to, to put all of your armor on us as we battle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We need you, dear God, to hold us steady in these days. Deliver us from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.